Yes. Didn't Ashley do a didn't Ashley do a great job? She just so picture such a, a, a picture. What is that? What do you say? Photogenic? Is that what that is? Like, man, I was kind of interested in watching her. Like, wow, she's doing a great job. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to go up there. That's my turn. That's what that's what we're going with this thing. Man, it's it's good to be back and sometimes that's probably part of it. Hadn't been up here in a while. It's but it is great to be back. Man, I'm we got so charged. I said this in our, um, you know, Pastor Cass and I went to, and some of our staff meeting staff went to uh, Alabama to basically a church school, like kind of, hey, uh, a training all around. And so I jokingly said with our, as we were praying for the services today, I said, yeah, guys, gave back, Pastor Cass a hug, said, we consummated our relationship this week as we went off to Alabama. We worshiped together, we prayed together, we learned together. It was, a, it was a, quite a union, so we had a great time. And that's it. <laughs> that is it. But... Uh, I have a celebration for you because three weeks ago, we took some youth, 14, to, to Desperation Conference in Colorado at New Life Church, and five youth gave their life to Jesus that week. That is huge. And then the next altar call, the next call for that speaker was, how many of you are ready to boldly go back to your home and be courageous Christians, no longer concerned about culture, no longer concerned about what friends are doing, and are going to commit to being courageous Christians. And 14 out of 14 stood up and said, I'm ready. I'm ready. And then on top of that, our church, our, our youngsters, our students, out of 3,000, maybe 3,500 students, whenever the altar call, that time of prayer was, was announced and presented, say, y'all come forward, we were the first ones. Our, our, team, our, our students were right there hanging over, the, hanging over the platform. I mean, they were like, do I need to altar, uh, sacrifice myself? How, do I, how does this altar thing work? <laughs> we don't do that all the time. So no, I, I just, don't, don't lay down. They're going to, they're gonna, don't lay down. <laughs> lay down if you need to lay it all down we had a great time and I'm just so proud of our students you know what that means though you guys have been setting the environment and setting the atmosphere for students to be to desire to go and have life change experience life change and that is exactly what we're all here to do we're all here to prepare an environment where a lost and hurting world, the people far from God are ready to come in and say, you know what, I'm done. I don't care what the culture says. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus because they finally felt to play, found a place that they feel loved. Isn't that, that's it. Like, like we go home right now. That is it. But we're, that, that leads us to our message series that we're going into through this month of metamorphosis. Because we're all in this place of metamorphosis. We, uh, we're in a, a transitional, a transformational phase. And it all starts when we give our lives to Christ for so long. I don't know if you, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Now, I, I used to love to sing that song. I couldn't wait till my pastor led that song, whatever page in the hymnal that was. But it's incomplete. It's a day of rejoicing as soon as we give our lives to Jesus. What a day of rejoicing that has become. And if you're in Christ, you know what that experience is because everything began to shift. But that's when the process of metamorphosis began. And that's where all of us are and we're going through or have gone through. And I want to kind of break that down to you in a very, uh, very uh, kindergarten level, so to speak. Because as a, as a butterfly, say, starts as a little egg, and I don't want to have a, a, a debate on what comes first, the chicken or the egg, but we're just going to say, let's say it started as an egg, and, and then it, it kind of gives birth to a caterpillar, 
It's born into a caterpillar. It's actually a larva. If you think about it, it's kind of disgusting. Nobody says, oh, look at that little larva walking around, looking so cute. No, my daughter, she loves the season because she, oh, daddy, let's go find some caterpillars. She calls them caterpillars. I want some more caterpillars. And there's caterpillars all around on the sidewalk around our house. What she doesn't know, hey, don't tell her. I, pour, I, I put poison around our house, and every time they get close, they die. So she brings them in like, oh, daddy, they died. I don't know why they keep dying, honey. I just don't, maybe we're not, maybe we're not meant to raise caterpillars. But, but, <laughs> oops. Uh, and, and, but then that's that, that they go into this, that's the feeding stage. They kind of eat, they eat three times their weight, their size. And like a monarch butterfly will go from the size of a pinhead to a hundred times its size. And it'll grow in, to be a two inch caterpillar before it goes into the pupa or the chrysalis. That is what we know as a cocoon. But what's interesting about it, the, the, the caterpillar knows it has a place to go. It has more to live for. It has more to become. I want, you to, I want you to see the spiritual overtones that God has put through creation so that we can understand his glory. And we need to know some of these things right here. Because what takes place is that caterpillar understands for its safety, for it to grow and metamorphosize, it has to get over, under covering. So it finds a place of safety. Sometimes it's under leaves, under branches, under a seat, whatever it is. But it finds a place to get up under. Y'all hearing me? We get up under and then it it says, I'm trusted. I'm safe enough. Now I can go through this, this process of metamorphosis, this place of change. And then it begins to put itself into a cocoon, a pupa, a chrysalis. And then if... It actually releases a digestive enzyme to where it actually starts to digest itself. That's where we get this message today called digestion. Because if you, if you look at it this way, the caterpillar says, I'm not destined to be a caterpillar. I'm destined to be a butterfly. I'm destined to do what a butterfly is called and created to do. Therefore, I have to go through a change of metamorphosis. And in order to do that, it actually has to go through a process of almost like a self-transition. But it it releases a digestive enzyme that it actually, if you can say it this way, it causes it to get over itself. The caterpillar learns this art of getting over itself. Remember, the old has gone, and behold, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ. Paul writes, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And in life I now live, I live for Jesus. I live by faith for the one who died and gave his life for me. Scripture says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. So how can I stay a caterpillar when I'm purposed to be a butterfly? How can I stay an old nature, old man, uh, uh, living a life without power whenever I'm called to live a power, spirit-filled, engaging, life-changing, world-changing lifestyle? So there's something that has to happen. There's got to be a decision in the midst of metamorphosis where I choose to get over myself. I realize it's not about me anymore. It's not about being a, an ASP, ASP. ASP. And so, <laughs> ASP. <laughs> and so, but what's really interesting, even more so in, in, in the holistic part of a strength of a church and strength of me and you, what happens is there's actually a living group, a small group of cells that begin to take play, released inside of this cocoon. And it's in these cell groups that life changes. 
uh, can I say it this way in the church? It's in what we call Thrive Tribes. It's in small groups. When people start to get involved in small groups and build intentional relationships, their lives begin to get changed. Oh, it's beautiful. It's all a part of the metamorphosis. And then what takes place, there's a hormone that goes from juvenile hormone that exists from a caterpillar. Slowly, they dissipate and disappear to where there's nothing but an adult hormone left and left to produce this butterfly. And then the butterfly is ready to connect to its God-given purpose and then go and make the difference it's created to make. And that difference, that difference is two things, pollinate and reproduce. To pollinate and reproduce. You know what you and I are here to do? Pollinate the world with Jesus Christ and reproduce ourselves and others. And that only happens when we begin to connect to purpose and truly begin to make a difference in this world. And so this this butterfly knows that I've only got a few days, maybe weeks, up to several months. And so there's no time to sit around because I'm not created to sit, I'm created to serve. Somebody say amen on that one. I, so I, I can't sit around. I got to get to pollinating and reproducing. The butterfly didn't wait around to, well, maybe when I have enough kids, I'll do this. Or maybe when my kids get out of the house, I'll do this. Or maybe whenever this, nope, it's time to get busy because life ain't going to last too long. Life ain't going to last too long. Yeah, I said that right. Life ain't going to last too long. It's time to get down to it. And that's where the adult stage comes into play, and that's the reproductive phase. But I want to talk about metamorphosis. This month, I want to just drive home this idea. We will get into that adult phase, that adult stage where we become, we, we, we connect to our purpose and we become. But today, I want to, I want to subject to you the, the vision that God has given his church, his whole church, but then also the vision that he has given you and I within his church. Because until you find out what your creator's vision is for your life, you will always stumble over yourself. The butterfly that has been metamorphosized from one creation to another, discovered and realized what its creator's vision was for its life. And it began to make a difference. You need God's vision if you're going to bring about change and structure and, and a fulfilled life. One that says it completes three things that we're all longing for, a place to belong, purpose in life. Why am I created and my identity If my identity is in anything but Jesus Christ, I'm lost. And I'm trying to fill every wound and gapping hole inside of me with something that is of the world and not of him. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, in the message version, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Another version says, without vision, people perish. But, but when they attend to what he reveals, isn't that what everybody wants? They are most blessed. I can't see. I don't know what God's vision is for my life. And you ever notice people just kind of go through these cycles. They keep stumbling. And life just ain't working out for them. And they just keep trying. They just keep doing their own doings. And for some reason, no matter how much money they have, no no matter how much life good, how good their life looks on the outside, inside, there's still this cycle that they're going through because they've yet to attend what God has revealed. They've yet to figure out what his vision is for their life and for the church. Because each and every one of us, if we are in Christ Jesus, we are called to be a part of his church, the local church and the big C church. And we can't have one without the other. 
And D.L. Moody says this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. But I did all this. Great, it won't show up in heaven. Do you know why billions of dollars are given to philanthropic efforts? Because Jesus, people, you and I, have yet to love them in the direction of Christ so they discover what their vision is. Oh, these are world changers, but everything that they're doing, none of it, of all things, none of it's going to show up in heaven because it doesn't lead to Jesus. Dang. But you and I, if we can bring influence and we can help them find vision because of how we're living vision out and God's vision, because we're living like people who actually have discovered what God's vision is for our lives, oh, That's a person that lives rejoicing in everything that they do. We're talking about the Great Commission, but I want to explain to you first the strategy behind that that God has given his church. We're here to get the lost people saved. There's a lost and hurting people out there, whether they think they know Jesus or they know that they are far from Jesus. There are many people who proclaim they know Jesus, but yet they are still far from Jesus. They're still lost. They're still lost in so many forms of the fashion. But when we get them saved, when we create an environment where they desire to come in and worship with a a body of people who are loving them in his direction, they can't help but say, you know what? This is something I can do. They get saved. The saved people get them pastored. And it takes a group of people. It takes those small groups of people that are willing to love people where they are and help them become all God created them to be. It was that very environment that changed my life. I began to get involved in a small group. When I was in Austin, Texas, here's Austin right here on the corner, by the way. In Austin, Texas, went to my first small group and I started realizing, oh, these people are getting really transparent. I'm like, oh, shoot, they're not going to accept me. Until I realized they wouldn't let anybody talk about somebody that wasn't in the room. And it's dawned on me, well, if they're not going to allow everybody to talk about this person, then maybe they won't allow them to talk about me when I'm not here. And so slowly I began to peel that mask off and begin to reveal what was really going on and what I'd really gone through in life. And when I had the courage and the boldness and the confidence to begin to do that, then all of a sudden I began to find freedom in a circle of other believers. Because I'll say it firmly, you, give me, you show me the five closest people to you, and I'll show you your future. And you are a sum total a medium of the five people that are nearest to you. So if you're looking around, you're hanging out with people, you're like, man, I don't even know why I like this guy. You're going to be just like him. Well, that's alarming. Just heads up. But then we, we want to get them pastored, pastored people trained. That's just disciple. We need to get people discipled. We need to get them plugged into a place where they can do life on life and just begin to use the giftings that, and the callings that God has created them and embedded them with. When they do, they begin to find hope. They begin to find training, discipleship. And you know what? They think, well, I, maybe I can make a difference in life. Absolutely, you can make a difference in life because you were designed to make a difference. Everything that we do, everything that scripture says, everything that Jesus preached was right here. Let's look at the Great Commission in Mark 16, 15 through 20. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Get the lost saved. Go everywhere and just get them saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. He's like, listen, you need to get them saved because we need to pastor them. We need to get them set up. We need to get them healed. We need to get them them taken care of. We We need to pick the ticks off those sheep. 
And then he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. He's getting the pastored trained, saved to pastored to trained. Well, how, do, how are they getting trained? They're using the gifts and doing what Jesus said, and all of a sudden, signs just come alongside them. If you've ever struggled, why don't these things work? How come I don't ever see signs and miracles and wonders? Because you're not doing what Jesus has designed you to do and by faith just letting him do the rest of it. But it's because we're not getting trained. We're not getting involved. We haven't gotten over ourselves so we can get involved with what Jesus is doing in his church. But the moment you do and the moment you just begin to uncover the giftings and the callings that God has put inside of you that, and by the way, no matter what you've done, they are irrevocable. And once you get that, once you get that and you start to just, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna do it by faith. I'm gonna begin to serve by faith. I'm gonna begin to show up by faith. I'm gonna do what God has created and called me to do. I'm gonna do what has, I have an inclination inside of me to do and I'm gonna do it with others who are actually making a difference. And that's when he says, and the disciples went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of, of, of signs. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. They went out. They said, I can make a difference. Jesus has been showing us this stuff for three years, and it worked for him. He says it'll work for me. I'm just going to do it. And when they just decided, I'm going to do it, he did it. And they realized, oh, maybe I was created for this. That's what he's been trying to tell you the whole time. Get over yourself. And if you don't think this is God's vision, let's just look at Exodus 6, 6, and 6, 7. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is God telling Moses before he leads them out of Egypt and into the wilderness, out of bondage, because Egypt is a symbol of bondage. He says, tell them this, I'm the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them. Doesn't that sound weird? Wait a minute, you already brought them out. How are you gonna free them? Because once God gets you out of bondage, now he's gotta get the Egypt out of you. And nothing's gonna change until Egypt start getting pulled out of your soul, of your mindset, of your ideology, of your theology, of your understanding, but once it does, he says, and I will redeem you, meaning redeem is not restorative. Redeeming is bringing you back to your original intent. Before the fall, before anything happened, perfect communion with God, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. He's saying, listen, as you start to connect to purpose, I'm going to do signs and wonders. That sounds like the New Testament. That sounds like the Great Commission. He says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. You need to see this. And in that, when you find out people who discovered their purpose, they found freedom and they're making a difference, they realize, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. These are the people that say, no, 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 I don't know what's going on, but right now I know who God is. I know his mighty hands. I know his testimonies. I know what he has done, and I know what he will do. I will not believe the lies that are in front of me, but adverse to those who, man, I just don't know. I just feel so far from God. I don't even know if God loves me anymore. I don't even know if God wants to use me. I mean, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved, but, well, brother, it's time to get some freedom. It's, it's time to come to the Freedom Conference because we can help you with that, but I can't do it for you. But I can supply, I can set you at a table where you can eat. 
But if you aren't willing to eat, brother, you're going to be walking around. I don't know if Jesus loves me. Oh, he does. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage, out from under the yoke, because you have begun to get a glimpse and wipe the smudge of yesterday's off of your eyes and your soul. And now you're starting to see a different you. Hallelujah for that. I'm as excited as Joel is. But this comes from, and this is, this is where the four cups of communion, the Seder, uh, began to, got developed and started with the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Hebrew children. So when they take communion, these four I wills, as this is known, known in the Jewish com, uh, com, uh, community, this is the four cups, of sanct, uh, uh, four cups of Seder. And so you have the cup of sanctification. I'll bring you out. You have the, the cup of deliverance. I'm going to get the bondage out of you. You have the, the cup of redemption. I will redeem you with my outstretched arm. And then you have the fourth cup. And we, it's, when we talk about praise in the Old Testament, it's different whenever than what we think of. Oh, I'm going to praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. No, no, no. They drink to the cup of a lifestyle of praise. They live a life knowing that no matter what, this is what God's called, no matter what, no matter what's in front of me, no matter what's been behind me, no matter what's on the side of me, no matter what's coming my way, I will live a life of praise because I know who I am in Christ and I know who he is and I know I'm his. And when you get that I know because he will, all of a sudden you believe you can. And you don't know you can because you don't know he is and you don't know what he's done. Freedom, freedom, the four I wills, and it's a lifestyle of praise. Well, let me show you where this is in the Bible again. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Y'all know this one. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. There it is. I'm trying to get them saved. I'm going to preach the gospel, y'all. Let's go. But he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom the, to, to the, for the captives and release the, uh, from darkness for the prisoners. And release darkness from the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ash. Listen, this is all freedom. This is all freedom. All of a sudden, you thought you were this. Oh, no, 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 no. In Christ, you are this. Oh, you, you, Satan loves to remind you what you did. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus is telling you who you are and who you're becoming. Oh, no, 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 no. The metamorphosis, the Jesus is speaking into you while you're in the midst of the cocoon, while you're intentionally going through the process of metamorphosis because you know you're not an asp, but you're going to be the beauty of God, the ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a beautiful thing. Come in. Well, oh, no. oh man, I just don't know why. I just feel so, I don't know what's going on. I think there's a spirit somewhere and I don't know what's just getting me. You better cast that thing out. You better do something about that because you don't have a spirit of despair. You've got the garment of praise. You better say, oh, no, 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 Jesus. I don't know, Satan. I don't think so. I'm going to go to my closet and put on my garment of praise because I'm coming in. I don't pray because I feel like praying. I don't praise because I feel like praising. And I don't worship because I feel like worshiping. I worship because he is worthy. I get up. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I get up and I dust myself off even when I don't feel like it because people need it. There's a lost and hurting world that needs love. And Jesus is making an appeal to a lost and hurting world through you and I. Amen. 
And just like the letters that Paul wrote to the, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Galatians, there is a letter that you write every day to a lost and hurting world, and it looks like this. Or this. Man, that's the Jesus they follow? Mm -mm. No, no, no. You got the oil of joy. Oh, yeah, all hell break loose. I got a flat tire on the way to church. Amen to that, brother. Got an opportunity to meet somebody new. Well, pulling the gas station, I'm on empty. Great. I bet there's going to be somebody I can meet to just lead them to Jesus. You know what? I'm going to do church right out here. Hallelujah. Not today, Satan. Not today. You ain't going to throw me off. He's saying proclaim the good news. Oh, let me, don't let me go any further. They will be called oaks of righteousness. When you start to connect to purpose and find why you've created, all of a sudden you're strong in the Lord, rooted and planted. And all of a sudden, no, 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 no. I'm going to bring change in the plant, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You are, you are displaying splendor of Jesus as you go out. But it doesn't happen until you find freedom and you start to connect to the God-given purpose that is on your life. Let's go to the next. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Yeah, my mama's been lost and on, a dick, on drugs for a long time. Ancient ruins, long devastated. But a believer who's had their life transformed says, yeah, no, 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 no. I know what God has done in my life. And I know what he can do in my mama's life. And I know when I go to prayer and I don't go to war for my mama, for my daddy, for my kids, for my spouse who's astrayed right now, who won't come home. When I go to war for my kids, for my, for my cousins, when I go to war for the students in my classroom, for my boss. Come on, somebody. They, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That's what we're called to do. Make a difference. Make a difference. He says, proclaim the good news. That's intimacy with Jesus. I can't do that until I get to really know Jesus intimately. And that's loving God and loving others. And by the way, you can't love God if you, if you don't love others. Oh, I love God. I have a lot of Jesus time. Really, how are you treating others? I love you. Oh, and you can't love others unless you love God. You are not that good. Me either. Like, ooh, Jesus, you're going to have to give me some strength today. Ooh, Lord, give me your heart for them. Give me your heart for them. Give me your heart. It works, by the way. Bind up the broken heart and give me a heart for my wife. She's your daughter. Bind up the broken hearted. Bind up the brokenhearted. That's why we have our freedom conference. Right here is a good time to say, you know what? I'm going to commit to going to this freedom conference. I don't care if I've been through it a dozen times. Let me tell you, I've been through this 15 times, and I'm still getting more freedom because life keeps happening no matter what I do, and I can't sit on the, on the pews not doing life. Freedom conference, August 9th and 11th. It's going to kick off start at 6 p.m. each one of those nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It is three short nights to give your life so that that you can actually change and make a difference in your family, in your church, in your environment. I'm telling you, we got about 50 people coming. We need 80 more. If every person in this room says, you know what, I'm committing to freedom because I love others and I need some love. I'm telling you, life changed right there. And bestow on them beauty instead of ashes. Beauty instead of ashes. I start to walk in who I am. And then lastly, he says, they will rebuild 
they will rebuild others. I'm making a difference. I'm joining a team. I'm starting to minister to others. I'm using the giftings. I don't know how to do it, but I got other people who are making a difference around me, and we're going to make a difference together. They're going to show me how to use these giftings, and we're going to do it loving on each other. I'm going to, I'm going to get involved in a group. I'm going to get involved in a tribe. I'm going to find some change. I'm not going to say it's the church's responsibility for my spiritual growth. I'm going to own responsibility for my spiritual growth. Can I get a better amen, somebody? Colossians 1, 28, 29 says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present some people fully mature. Y'all ain't tracking with me. It says, full everyone fully mature. And that depends on every one of us doing our part, getting connected and making a difference so that everyone can be presented to God fully mature. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. A lady after church, after the last service says, Pastor Nathan, you just have so much energy. Uh, no, I don't. I reach, I reach strenuously from Christ the energy that he gives me so that I can be all I need to be so that you can receive all that you need to be and I'm going to do my part. And can I say this? By the way, we're kinetic. It's time to go work some energy into your life so that you can have more energy. I'm going to get an amen on that one. Oh, you're trying to get in my business now, Pastor. <laughs> Proclaim Christ to them, he says. Admonish them, teach them, present them fully mature. You know what? Sometimes we need to be challenged. We need to be admonished. Timothy Keller says this, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Ooh, I see some elbows being thrown in this place. Hey, that's for all of us. You know, I love now as I'm growing and maturing, I love my, my, my toes being stepped on. I love being reminded of the things. I love being shaped back to Jesus. But Satan never, can, uh, Satan never loves us to Jesus. And Jesus never condemns us to himself. So be sure which voice you're listening to because you want to have Jesus. You want to have the Holy Spirit speaking to you, reminding you of who you really are. And that's not who you are. That's the old man. But here's who you really are. And when you take hold of that and you remind yourself of that and you grab a hold and you own that, Life changes. Ephesians 1, 16 and 18 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Know the testimonies, know the works, the mighty outstretched arms and the things that they can do in you, for you, through you. And when you know him intimately because you've invested in getting to know him, spent time with him, prayed with him, spoken with him, and then listened to what he has to say, you've dove into his word and you begin to allow his word to rewrite your thinking and your ideology, your behaviors, your, your mannerisms, your everything. All of a sudden, you know Jesus and the eyes of revelation. Revelation and wisdom begin to pour inside of you. And now the bigger you get on the inside, the bigger you become on the outside. We work so hard to become big on the outside, but we forget it only happens. What, what goes on in the inside begins to push everything out, and all of a sudden we become. So we're here to introduce Jesus, find freedom, connect to purpose, and make a difference. This is the vision that God has given our church. It's the vision he's given us. It's the vision for us to live out. Again, 
When we don't know this, we stumble all over ourselves and our lives are in a cycle and we're not living the full potential of who we know we can be and who we should be. Let's talk about that. Number one, introduce to the real Jesus. Introduce to the real Jesus. That, doesn't, that means not a religious Jesus, not one that looks like this, but one that looks like, come on, we can do this. Not one that has a bunch of rules and regulations and laws, but one that says, hey, you know what? That's not who you are, but we can do this together. Come on, let me pick you up and let me bring some people alongside you that can help you because they're right there with you. That's what, a, that's what a real Jesus does, and that's the Jesus that this world needs to get to know because let me tell you, in Henderson County, they don't know it. And that's why 60,000 people are lost and far from God. There's 20,000 people of 80,000 that are registered to be a part of a church. Come on, somebody. We need some help. These people need help, and just like you and I needed help, and guess what? Somebody helped us, and now it's time to pay that thing back forward, creating environments. Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more, be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than a church full of believers. Hallelujah, we had a great time. We got challenged in our theology, and we, we, we did a good, good thing. We praised each other, and all those things are good, but nobody got saved because nobody invited a lost and hurting world in. And it was so rigid. Come on, y'all been there. It was so rigid that even a lost and hurting person never felt welcome when they came into the house because they were rejected. They were different. If we don't have different people in this church, it ain't their problem. We better do something to begin to attract a lost and a hurting world so that they can come in. Our job as, to, as believers is to start serving, ministering, get connected, make a difference so we can create this atmosphere, this environment where it's welcoming the lost. And you know what happens when we do that? God is actually saying, okay, that's a church I can trust people with. Because right now, I don't think, I think 60,000 people are lost because he's looking for a church that can be trusted with a lost and a hurting and a wounded people. I think he's protecting them. But we can do it. When we start to find freedom, we start to connect to purpose, we get involved in the game. And yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a big thing. Let me tell you, it's a big thing to Jesus. It's a big thing to the lost and hurting. Because when one is in another area and another area in the parking lot, somebody's getting high fives and the hospitality is, is hot and on point and the donuts are shaping right and the worship is just, oh man, it's hype and people are worshiping and you're worshiping because God is so good and he is worthy and it's not about how I feel or I stubbed my toe or I had a flat tire or I don't know how I'm making my nails done this, this week or anything along those lines and the kids are over there and they're just knocking it out of the park guess what we're just doing our little part that we don't see the bigger picture but when when the lost come in they see it and they say wow just like the queen of sheba look what god has done i think i can serve that god Reaching the lost is our primary purpose. Acts 15, 18, they were, the disciples were trying to decide. They were setting up the church, and you know the Acts, and, and, and as, as Paul was, as, and the disciples were uh, growing the church and trying to plant churches and, and so forth. They were saying, well, how do, we, how do we know they're truly in our church? How, are they, how do we know they're really members of the church? Yeah, the Jews and the Gentiles and so, the disciples, they were arguing back and forth, and the, some of the former Jews were like, well, they need, to get, they need to get circumcised if they're going to be a part of the church. How many people know that that's not a membership class that I want to go to? <laughs> There'd be a church full of women and all the husbands are out in the car like, oh, you tell me how I win, baby. Mm-mm. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> but they said, no, no, no. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for a lost and hurting world who are turning, for, turning to God. Boy, it is messy. Where, where the oxen are threshing, it gets messy. And if we got a church that's afraid of a little mess, we will never reach a lost and hurting world. But guess what? When Jesus is in us and we realize that he has the better plan, we will clean up that mess because lost and hurting people just don't get it yet, but they will. And they don't need our rules and regulations to get it. They need the power of the Holy Spirit to move in their lives. Boy, I'm preaching. I got to go. Listen, that, the, the whole thing is this. We, we've got to be a people who are leading by example and truly becoming church members. We've gotten away from church membership, being invested, all in, plugged in, I'm giving, I'm serving, I'm joining the tribes, the small groups, because not because I think I need it, I think somebody else needs it. And I'm making a I'm jumping on a team because there may be a day where I'm not feeling good and I need Nicole to pray for me in hospitality because I'm struggling and I know that I can come in and my little circle, my group, my team is there going to war in the spirit so that I can have a better day before I even get into worship. Or I'm in the middle of the week, I'm joining a Thrive Tribe because I may, I know I need to grow. I have not learned everything that I needed to learn in Christ. I want to be a part of a group. Because just like that caterpillar, when it's growing in through metamorphosis, it has small cell groups working within itself so that it can become all God created to be. You and I need those small cell groups. We need intentional relationships. Number two is this, finding freedom. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen, we go to God for forgiveness and we go to one another for healing. And we got a lot of hurting and wounded people in the body of Christ because, one, they're not coming to others and confessing what's going on in their life, their struggles. It doesn't have to be sin. It's just something I'm struggling with. I'm having a bad day so that other believers can pray over them so that they can be healed. And, and we got to be confidential people that are not going to share other people's junk whenever they do come and confess their issues. Don't let me find out you're talking about other people's business in here. I will empower your future. But real life happens in the context of relationships. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have tribes. It's for you to grow and be a part. Oh, I don't need that. Yes, you do. I do. You do. You don't, you don't want me not. You don't want me not spending time with Jesus, I promise you. <laughs> you ain't gonna like it. That's why we have our freedom conference. That's why we have these things set up. We're setting up a table for you to eat from, a spiritual food for you to take and eat, for you to grow. You may think you're not going through anything right now, but let me tell you, if you're in Christ, it's coming because Satan is doing all he can from keeping you to make, finding your purpose, connecting your purpose and making a difference. And every adversity that Satan brings your way, God is already trying to give you opportunities, spiritual food, so that you can eat, digest, and take upon yourself so that you know how to apply these principles and these things to when the day of adversity comes. So you know that mighty, the mighty works of that outstretched hand that it's not really you doing it, but it's him doing it through you. Boy, I'm just bringing the word in today. I'm, hallelujah, Nathan. High five. Acts 2020, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. We need to come in and worship together, love on each other, give each other a high five, say amen and hallelujah every once in a while, worship, serve on a team, and then we need to go house to house. This is God's model. Go house to house to grow with one another, strengthen one another, and just do life with one another. Number three is connect to purpose. 
Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. It's all about coming under the grace of God and receiving and letting him bestow on us because we have gifts as he wills. It's his will. But we don't discover those until we start to begin to deploy those, use those in serving others and ministering. And all of a sudden, dang, I'm really good at this because it's a gift. Well, I want to use this more. Well, you should. That's what you were created for. That's why God has given it to you. It's a grace gift. It's free. Well, I really enjoy doing this. I want to do this my whole life. Yes, you're going to make a difference now. You get it. Hallelujah. This is your design. This is why you were in the cocoon. This is why you were born. This is why we even exist. There's a lost, hurting world that is ready for you to help them now. Oh, wait a minute. I don't want to do that. That looks like overalls in a pitchfork. Sometimes ministry is, baby. (laughs) Oh, discipleship is not in the classroom. It takes place serving others. Last thing you need is another, another lesson on Philippians in this room. What you need to do is learn everything that you've learned about Philippians to go and minister to others so that they will understand, oh, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is how it works. Yes, it starts to work when you work it. You have, let me just tell you, Americans, you guys right here, you have enough spiritual knowledge, enough, enough head knowledge to go and use and deliver lasting change in third world countries, things that they've never understood, they've never heard, they've never known, and they're waiting for a people to awaken up inside of them to their giftings, their calling, their abilities, and the knowledge you currently have. You don't need more knowledge. You need to use the knowledge. Again, remember the caterpillar, its whole purpose is to eat and eat and eat and eat. Some of us are stuck on eating and eating and eating and eating. It's time to metamorphosize even psychology says this how serving others serves you service stimulates the brain's pleasures pathways and makes you feel good no wonder i love using my giftings two helping others is contagious and improves others people's other people's lives when i come in and i just get me off of me because i'm serving you and your needs all of a sudden my life is better and i can get over myself It's psychology too, but it's Jesus. Number three, compassion found through serving makes you a better better and happier person. Number four, compassion found through serving builds stronger social connections, small groups, growth groups, places to grow, people to grow with. Hopefully they're like-minded and they're seeking Christ. Number five, compassion found through serving improves your physical health too. Dang, I need to serve a little bit more. I've been serving myself at the table. I knew it's time to, I know, I'm getting there. You can, you can believe Jesus or you can believe Dr. Fauci, but they both agree on this point right here. Let me just, that was funny, y'all. Y'all can laugh. There's a sense of humor. It's okay to laugh in church. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Your leaders and the staff are not here to minister to the needs. We're here to minister and equip you so that you can minister to people's needs. You know why there's so many needs in this world? Because the body of Christ is not ministering to their needs and they feel like they're unequipped because they're not coming and being equipped when the church is trying to equip them. Oh, I don't show up. I don't put the little QR code. I'm like, we're making it as easy as we possibly can except for wheeling you in here and sitting you down. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. 
August 21st, ministry training day. All you got to do is show up. The table is prepared. Just eat. It's going to be good. <laughs> the ministers lead and the people minister. Y'all need, a, y'all need a, little, a little humor right here. All right. Kind of humor. It's a little riddle. It's a little truth. I got two minutes to get it. I'm going to get it. Hey, there's five frogs sitting on a log. Four decided to jump off. How many frogs are on the log? Do, 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 do. One, two, do, do. Come on now. Y'all getting in my time. Who said five? She said five. The reason there's still five frogs on a log because deciding to do something never changes the world. It's initiative and action that makes a change. And we want to be judged on their, oh, they had good intentions. Did they? Or did they learn that their good intentions are getting them by, and so they keep saying they'll do something, but they don't do it? Unless your God, what we say? Sometimes your God doesn't look like you. Oh, I really intended to do it. Did you? Action. Initiative is what brings change to the world. Commitment, doing, and showing up when I say I'm going to show up, and even committing even when I don't want to show up. Serving the Lord even when I don't feel like serving the Lord. Doing what the Word of God says even when I feel like doing the exact opposite. That's when we begin to change and work begins to happen. Number four, making a difference. Making a difference is what we are all created to do. John, 5, 5, John 15, 8 and 11 says, This is to my Father's glory. How do we bring glory to the Father? That you bear much fruit. We're not just called to be faithful. Oh, I showed up. But did you do anything? We're called to be faithful and fruitful. Why isn't God being glorified in that house when nobody's being fruitful? Well, they're faithful. Great. They show up. But we need to be fruitful. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And here's the beauty of it right here. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. So many people walking around, I just don't have any joy anymore. I feel like my joy has been stolen. You being fruitful? Well, no, I just don't have joy. You get fruitful first, and then the joy comes. And so, and you, and that your joy may be complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have told you this. So my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. God has already hardwired, y'all come on up, uh, worship team, has already hardwired every person to live a life of transcendence. And here's what a life of transcendence is. It's the existence or experience beyond the normal. Beyond the normal. We're called as believers to live beyond the normal. Let the, look at this next graphic. Oh, here, you, here lies, put your name right here lived a normal life and died a normal death, born 1965 and been dead ever since. <laughs> Y'all know that's funny. <laughs> Some of you are like, dang, they gonna put that on my grave site? They might. You get to decide, metamorphosizing. <laughs> you ain't doing nothing unless you walk you're connecting to your purpose and making a difference. You got a bunch of stuff that's never going to show up in heaven, but you did a lot of stuff. Great job. It was for nothing. But we can't get there until we start to find freedom. 
And we can't get there until we start to show up and participate and be a part and let God just begin to do a work inside of us. So I'm gonna give you, but, but this right here, Psalms 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they're giving, they're serving, they're getting into small groups relationally, building intentional relationships, they're going places because it's not easy, it's because they know they need to, it's out of discipline. They're planted in the house of the Lord and they shall flourish in the courts of our God. That's what we all want. That's what's gonna make an appeal to a lost and hurting world. In this next graphic, this 2015 in Death Valley, it was, it, was, it was assumed, it is assumed that there's nothing of life that lives in Death Valley, hence the word, the name Death Valley. A flood came through because how many people remember El Nino? Not a little boy, El Nino, it was like a storm. Inches of rain came through in just a matter of hours and the next, next season, it brought this. All of a sudden, they realized, wait a minute, there was beauty hidden down in the midst of dry places. All it needed was some living water to come across it and begin to put some moisture on it so it can provide, can be a place, an environment where seed can actually grow. And I hope you are getting this. Because so many people feel like I'm in the midst of Death Valley. I feel like everything's dry in my life. I feel like I'm not going anywhere. I can't feel anything. I don't know what's going on. But let me tell you, you get under the living water of Jesus Christ and let his spirit flow upon you. I tell you, there is a bloom, a super bloom that is ready to come out of you. And boy, that, it's, it's that super bloom that's going to bring and make an appeal to the lost and hurting world out here. And they're going to say, where'd you find change? My church, you want to come? Come and see. The table's set because everybody's doing their part and they're using their giftings and they're realizing, I like to do this. I want to pray for you. But I'm telling you right now, if you'll give me a year of your life and you'll commit wholeheartedly to the journey that we have set out, the spiritual journey we have laid out that all comes from Scripture, and you just dive in it. One year, there has not been one person that's taken me on this challenge that has not had a better life afterward than they had before. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. So if you'll just open your hands just like this, like you're ready to receive. And Father, I just ask in the hearts of every individual that are truly ready for lasting change and truly ready to come under your grace, your rivers of living water, to be filled, to be replenished, to let the super bloom of your beauty, and instead of the ashes, to for the oil of joy to just penetrate their innermost being, Lord, so that they see life differently, that they become who you've created them to be, that they own the process of their metamorphosis, that they begin to intentionally find themselves in groups for growth, for, to find freedom, that they truly intentionally pursue the giftings and the callings that you have on their lives. Father, I pray right now as you are in this room that you just touch each and every one of them, that you touch them from the, from the depths of their feet to the top of their head, Lord, and just let their hands be radiant as if it were the, the coal that you took and you put on the lips of Isaiah and you said you are now clean. Father, I pray that you just give them the same encouragement and empowerment to go out, to make decisions, to give their lives over, to get over themselves, Lord, 
and to just begin to own where they are in their journey and to be all in right here at Thrive Community Church. And I ask this every week, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And if you're here today and you've never given your life to the real Jesus, I don't mean the religious Jesus, the real Jesus, I wanna invite you to come forward during a prayer time of prayer. And I'll ask my prayer team to come forward. We're about to exit out and worship. Thank you guys so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I can't wait to do life with you.